Oh, Bretto. What's up, MP? Damo just called. Yeah? He thinks there's going to be 100,000 people at the Wellness Summit. Oh, again? He thinks we're bigger than Michael Jackson, the Rolling Stones and the Beatles all put together. Damien Christoph has gone completely mad. Did you know he's made eight tonnes of forage? What? <laughs> and now he wants you and I to help him get rid of it. Oh, Damo. So, look, being the good friends that we are, we've asked him. You've been forced. Well, we've kind of twisted his arm to make him literally give his forage away to 100 lucky Wellness Summit attendees. So if you're ready to enrol for our signature two days of inspiration, education and empowerment and entertainment. What do you mean, MP? Australian Idol winner Wes Carr makes his Wellness Summit debut this year, Bretto. Wes Carr, you'll be guilty. So if you're ready to be entertained, head on over to thewellnesssummit.com and get four value bags of forage muesli or one bag each of paleo, muesli, bircher and porridge when you register. Now, all you need to do is register for this two-for-one special, bring a buddy, bring a friend, bring a family member or a colleague and then choose your forage selection, four muesli or four assorted and get four bags per attendee. That's eight bags per double pass. That's almost 250 bucks of forage for free when you register for the Wellness Summit on August 25-26 at the Collingwood Town Hall in Melbourne. That's 150 serves of breakfast. Almost six months of breakfast just for registering for the Wellness Summit. Well, it's first in best dressed. These 100 tickets are only available until June 18 or until sold out. All the details of this special offer, all the topics, featured speakers and more are over at thewellnesssummit.com. Thanks for making eight tons of forage, Damo. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to a place of wellness and healing for both your body and mind. Get ready to live a happy, healthy, whole food life that totally rocks. You're listening to Shiny Healthy You, the straight-talking natural health show for busy women with your host and naturopath, Jules Galloway. In a rather hilarious coincidence, today's episode is the perfect segue after talking about sex for the last three weeks. You see, today we're going to be talking about natural contraception. All too often, I have patients come to me super confused as to which method of contraception to choose. The pill has been linked to blood clots, stroke, high blood pressure, and even some cancers. IUDs are invasive and hard to remove, and they either secrete copper or hormones and barrier methods, well, let's face it, they're kind of annoying. But what if I told you that you had other options? All right, cue today's guest. She is here to help us navigate through all of this. She's an awesome naturopath based on the Gold Coast, but she did some of her training in Melbourne and has even worked for Ruth Tricky, a well-known practitioner and academic who literally wrote the textbook on women's health. Like most naturopaths, she's a bit of an all-rounder with experience in gut healing, thyroid health, adrenal fatigue, yay, and so much more. But her passion is women's hormones, and she even runs workshops on natural contraception. So without further ado, please welcome to the show the beautiful Amy Mingan. Yay! Thanks, Jules. (laughs) Hi. Thanks for having me. Welcome. Right. First of all, tell me a little bit about your story and why you came to be so passionate about this stuff. Okay, so it probably began mostly as a personal story. 
I was one of those teenagers with a bit of hormonal acne and was given a few different creams and what have you at the doctor. And my mum was just really worried about my skin. So she went to that next level with my doctor and asked, well, should we put her on the pill? And unfortunately, pretty much from about three months after that, although my skin healed up, I ended up with heaps of side effects. So I was getting monthly migraines. I had like enormous weight gain for someone my height. I'm only like 160 centimetres and I went from like a size 8 to a size 10 to 12 pretty quick, Um, which you can imagine how a teenager would feel about that. Um, And then as teenagers do, I ended up with like my first boyfriend and it became useful that I was on the pill because I use it as contraception. (laughs) Um, The interesting part was though that I still had all these side effects and I didn't realize I just thought that maybe I wasn't interested in sex so much like I had zero libido and then when I started looking into it um, some of my friends were using different methods of contraception and um, I just continued using the pill and then I finally went to a naturopath (laughs) and I hadn't started studying naturopathy yet but it sort of sparked my interest in it and she had suggested that I had all these different deficiencies and that perhaps the pill could have been linking in with a lot of my symptoms that I was getting each month and then I sort of went oh okay so I'm just going to go off the pill so I did that and it took about 10 months for me to get a proper cycle back Um, I'd been on the pill at that stage for about six years and I was doing all the herbs and the acupuncture and then I started studying naturopathy and it was one of my awesome lecturers at Melbourne who introduced me to all of this like other side I had absolutely no idea how easy it was to track my cycle and when she went through it I was madly writing down notes and trying to figure out okay right so there's this mucus and mucus is normal and I should be feeling this way and Sometimes I feel this way and trying to really navigate exactly where my cycle was at. And it took me a few months and I was like, this is golden. This is amazing. Why don't we all get taught this? And as you introduced, I was working for Ruth Tricky at the time and she introduced me to all the different myriads of um, what hormonal health, um, what things can kind of go wrong really. And so I thought I really need to get this out there to the masses. And so whilst I was studying, I was telling as many women as I could about natural contraceptives and how to track their cycle. And now I find like I've even told women who are finished having kids like how to track their cycle because and they're like, wow, why hasn't anyone ever told me this? And so that's really sparked my interest since I have been basically educating hundreds and hundreds of women about how to track their cycle I was like there's something in this there's like a larger population of women who need to know about this so that's kind of how it all panned out I wonder why we're not being taught this do you think because we're being taught about contraception in our teenage years they just think we're not responsible enough to do this stuff 
Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't think that there is much of a level of trust, particularly like just speaking from my experience and from some of my clients' experience. Um, when you go and you speak to a doctor about your cycle, it's like they just assume that no one knows. It, it's it's a surprise each month when you get your period or some, some women are good. Like <laughs> they'll use a tracking app and there's heaps of apps out now. Um, but I find that sometimes like the women with the irregular cycles, they'll find that, oh, the app says that I should be having this. And so then they start questioning it as well. Um, so, yeah, there's a whole stigma attached to like women not being in touch with their cycle, yet a lot of them really need to just learn to trust themselves as well. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I think we know what we, you know, we know our bodies but we don't trust, especially mm. when there, there's a lot of fear around contraception as well because it's like, well, what if I screw this up? I get a baby and I really <laughs> want one. So I think that the fear buys into it. It's like, oh, no, no, I know I know that, you know, I could check my mucus. So we'll, we'll go through all the process later, by the way. But, yeah, yeah. like all the, all the steps you can take, uh, I think we start to second-guess our judgment. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I also find that there's a, a stigma attached to like if a, if a girl's not on the pill, well, then she just assumes that she could get pregnant at any time of the month, even during her period. Like some of them seriously think this and I'm like, this is not true. <laughs> and then they've got their partners or boyfriends who refuse to use condoms as well. So that's a whole other like side to things that is a little bit tricky for women to navigate that I find. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's take a couple of steps back before we go forward and let's yeah. talk about the usual methods of contraception out there. And for the sake of having a balanced argument, let's talk about the pros and the cons of each, hey? Yeah, sure. So sure. we'll start with the pill. Okay. Yeah. Pros and cons of the pill. What do you so reckon? the pros of the pill, it prevents your body from ovulating so therefore it prevents you from being able to have a fertilized egg that month because you're not shooting any eggs out so there's a big positive there it's got a really good success rate with preventing pregnancy um what else what's another good <laughs> thing about the pill <laughs> that's it's very diplomatic of you i like it <laughs> <laughs> there's some pretty good pros um, what are the cons okay so some cons include um migraines it depletes your um body's b vitamins magnesium zinc iron it acts not so great in our microbiome um, it can change like our gut health so it can increase the amount of firmicutes which is you know it, it'll increase your bad guys in your gut basically and decrease your good guys so um, some women will notice that there'll be a follow-on effect then in their vaginal health so they might get more thrush oh my god we were talking to moira a couple of weeks ago actually to two three episodes ago we were talk, talking to moira bradfield about um microbiome in the vagina so yes, yes we're across that now aren't we listeners amazing 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you haven't listened to Moira's, go back and listen to Moira's. It's oh fascinating. She's fascinating. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so what else? I would say you would, some, with some women, they will lack a libido. And for some women, they actually will lack a libido for a long time after coming off, of, off the pill as well. Um, it can cause depression in some women. It can cause fatigue and weight gain and fluid retention and stretch marks and varicose veins. And because it acts as a carcinogen slash pro-oxidant in our body, which means it's basically causing oxidation, which is the opposite to what we want, um, it'll increase your cellular ageing and increase your risk of um, cardiovascular disease. Um, should I keep going? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, the copper, we should mention the copper. It makes it ah, increases your copper levels. Increased copper levels, yeah. So some women will notice that they get mad amounts of anxiety. Um, and when your copper levels are high, your zinc levels tend to go down. You'll get grey hair earlier. Ah, that's enough for me. Oh, my God. <laughs> that one first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so like a myriad of symptoms can be caused by the pill and I don't think enough women realize that a lot of their symptoms can be related to their pill use yeah mm. yeah all right the marina and your other IUDs because there's marina and then there's your copper one yeah so the so they're intrauterine devices um, they get inserted through the cervix and into the uterus. And the way that they work is they actually um, irritate the lining within the uterus. So it prevents an egg from attaching to the endometrium. So it prevents um, the placenta growing. Um, your Mirena does secrete synthetic progestins, which is like a, a, it mimics progesterone in the body. Um, so I guess a positive of that compared to the pill is it's only doing one of the two hormones that the pill contains. Um, the pill cranks up your estrogen. It does. It mm. does. Yeah. Keeps estrogen high. So at least with the Mirena, they tend to recommend that one more so for like women with endometriosis. Um, I don't, by the way, mm. um, <laughs> <laughs> purely because it's going to offset the amount of estrogen in the body. Um, it too tricks the body into thinking it's pregnant. Um, so some women will notice that they get weight gain, um, the breast tenderness but the thing that I see the most actually is like just below the navel and down to the pubic bone they get like just this pot belly it's like there's this level of inflammation there all the time yeah um, because the body's like there's something foreign inside here we need to like get some some more fluid around it and uh, for some women they will their bodies will completely reject it and sometimes they end up with nasty infections and what have you so um yeah, there's some other side effects, particularly with the copper one too. That's pretty old school. Like I don't hear of too many women getting the copper one anymore, but I'm sure they still, they're still around. Um, high copper levels, like we were saying before, can decrease your zinc. It can increase your um, 
anxiety and depression scores. Um, and also just as an adjunct here, because not every woman knows this, so they might think, okay, well, at least the copper one's not secreting any hormones. And to me, um, it doesn't prevent ovulation. And so there is a potential in some women if they're in a relationship or um, are having regular sexual encounters with ejaculation happening, that there is some sperm getting up there and there could be a fertilised egg each month. And because that um, IUD is irritating the mucous membranes within the uterus, it's kind of teaching those women's bodies to miscarry each month. Oh, wow. I've never looked at it like that. Yeah. So for me, when I heard that, I was just like, my heart sunk. And I thought, oh my gosh, I have to, this is the, this is one of the big things that I have to let women know because, you know, um, they might get that taken out and think, okay, I'm ready to have a baby now. But what if the body's going, oh, I know what we do when we fertilize an egg, we miscarry. And it's like pre-programmed it to do that. And it's like super sad because anyone who's had a miscarriage, if you're listening, like it's really, really distressing. Um, doesn't matter what stage you're at when you have a miscarriage, it's always distressing. So it's one of those things that I felt like this is a big thing that women don't know and need to know, particularly with the copper one, because it doesn't secrete those hormones. So um, note that to yourselves. Mm. Yeah. All right. Uh, what about like your implanon type implants or your injections that mm. uh, last? For okay. So the- <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> you don't like? <laughs> So, this is just from. I think Amy doesn't like these. (laughs) Spoiler alert. (laughs) So, this is just from stories just from my clients and a few of my friends who have had them. Um, I would suggest Googling like the stories involved with Implanon because it can seriously like to the point this sounds really like I'm catastrophizing things but it can ruin people's lives um (laughs) so I'll tell you how because the synthetic progestin when these rods get in like inserted into the little bicep groove on the inside of your arm uh they're supposed to last for like three to five years and you're going to ever so gradually get like a little secretion of these progestins out constantly so most people most women won't get a period but the women who don't respond well to these synthetic progestins feel like they are rampaging pms psycho beasts of ladies for the entire month oh my god and some of the stories i've been told where they just like they end up yelling at their boss, they end up quitting their job, they're like road raging and being really crazy at their husbands or partners and like there are some really crazy stories out there that I've heard and so if I've had the chance to have these stories in my clinic, I'm like, have you considered that it could possibly just maybe might be that Implanon? And they're like, really? And they get it taken out and they're just like, oh, my God, I think I've got so many people to apologise to. <laughs> and I'm just like, don't, don't blame it on yourself. It was the Implanon. <laughs> 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 oh, 
Oh my goodness. That's scary. Yeah, it really is. It really is. But having said that, that doesn't happen to a hundred percent of women. And some women are like, no, I haven't had any of those side effects and they're completely okay. Um, but yeah, I just thought I would like, let you know, one extreme end of the spectrum. Yeah. And is that the same with the injections? Are people still getting the injections? Yeah, well, I haven't heard of many people getting injections of recent times. Um, so the injections, like you could basically say that's like a chemical castration, like you're making yourself infertile for however that, that takes for your liver to break that down in your system for however how many years. So I don't know about you guys, but I like to sort of have a bit more control over whether I'm fertile or not. Um, it's and what if, there's just the what if, this is what pops up in my mind, what if you just don't ever get rid of that infertile status? Like what if your body just doesn't switch back on the ovaries and the pituitary to talk to each other again? So, yeah, the, the injection pretty similar to the Implanon, but at least the Implanon you can have it taken out. Once the injection's done, you can't really take it away. Yeah, I've I've heard stories about people getting the injections in the past and um, if they had side effects, they were stuck with those side effects for several months until it wore off. So if, they, yeah. if it gave them migraines, it's like, well, you have a migraines for months now. Uh, yeah, yeah. So mm. it's, it's a really tricky one to navigate. But, yeah, so if that's the one that you're wanting to get, I would say... Yeah, probably the Implanon would be my choice out of the two, but depends on like if you're going to turn into crazy lady or not. Yeah, all right. <laughs> all right. Let's go down the list a little further. Barrier methods like condoms, diaphragms, thoughts. Yeah. So I am a big fan of condoms because they're easy to use. They're easy to get a hold of. Um, there are so many different shapes and sizes and thin ones and whatever float your boat with ribbed, studded, whatever. Um, and they're like 98% effective so long as they're used correctly. Um, the only, the only issue is usually between the partners, particularly if they, you know, you think of some people who have been in a relationship for like a long time, most of the time they're wanting to, be intimate and not have to use anything. Um, I think there's a stigma attached to condoms as a protective mechanism, the only protective mechanism to STI infections. And so therefore they've got this stigma attachment in their head of like, oh, well, do you think that I've got something? Is this why you're making me wear it? Um, but really I, I'm a big fan of them, particularly for women who are using natural con contraceptive methods. Yeah. Mm. Cool. All right. Tick. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people do find them a bit, you know, annoying though. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I hear yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What about good old withdrawal? <laughs> well, <laughs> the withdrawal method is about 75% effective. So for some people, that's what they've relied on forever. Um, but keep in mind, if you're one of those people that doesn't have a long-term partner and that's the method that you're using um, casually with sexual partners, like there's still a chance of the STIs. So they're definitely, there's 
definitely that gray area there with um, making sure you're protected against any sort of sexually transmitted infections. Um, but withdrawal, yeah, 75% effective. So I guess it just depends. Are you up for a 25% chance of a baby this month? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I believe the, the younger the male gets, the less effective it tends to be, shall we say? Sorry. Absolutely. Sorry, teenage boys out there. I'm you. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, indeed. So, yeah, the, the younger guys, um, for whatever reason, they tend to have less control over their ejaculation and they can sometimes have more of the pre-ejaculation fluid coming out too so remember it only takes one sperm um and it is still in that pre-ejaculation fluid as well so yeah if there's even just a teeny tiny bit there it's still a possibility if if that woman is fertile obviously yep so it's not even that they don't necessarily have as much experience with the equipment it could just be that biologically they create more sperm totally anyway yeah of course they do Teenage boys, of course they do. Hello to all the mums of teenage boys. Out there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Now let's, let's flip this and talk about natural contraception and the system that you use. What does it involve? Because I know there's a few different things. It's not just one thing, is it? No, no. And it really depends on who I'm talking to and what they're wanting to achieve as well. So there's... Well, right um, now you're talking to about 6,000 people. So, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're... So let's say I would... the, The women who I normally speak to about natural contraception, they're usually in one of three categories. I would say they're in the category of wanting to avoid pregnancy altogether at that stage mm-hmm. and then there's the uh, the next category is wanting to achieve pregnancy and then the other ones are the ones who um who's basically just wanting to like track their cycles so they know when they're fertile and and how to track their menstrual cycle and things like that so they know when their hormones are balanced so um if we look at the first one, so the women who want to avoid pregnancy, they're probably my most popular um, people who I speak to. Um, what I get them to do is to put their apps down, put the apps down for a few months, and I usually get them to come back to like a good old piece of paper. And it's got a chart on it, and at the top of the chart, um, it's got temperatures. And then underneath the temperatures, it's got mucus. And so we take, I can teach them quite a few different things just from these two things. So your temperature gets taken the first thing in the morning. Hopefully you're one of these people who's in a beautiful sleep routine, who gets up at the same time each day. This is in an ideal world. Um, I know this doesn't happen to everybody, but if you're one of these people that gets up, say, 6 6 a.m. every day, and then you reach over to your bedside table, you pop that thermometer in your mouth, and it's a thermometer that's accurate and it reads to two decimal points. That's important. Called a basal thermometer, right? That's that's what I tell people to go and get. Is yeah, that what you tell people. Perfect. Yeah, a basal. You, you can normally get them from the chemist for about ten bucks. 
Yep. Really easy. not in the thermometer section at my local pharmacy. I found it in the uh, right next to the ovulation tests in that kind of section. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Perfect. So make sure you get one of those. And then you're recording on your chart your temperature at that point in time on that date and on that day of your cycle. So when we're talking about days of your cycle, day one is the first day of your period and then and you can be taking your temperature from then. And basically with your temperature, you can pinpoint a, a small peak and it might only go up 0.2 of a degree, but you'll notice quite a peak and it will come back down within 24 hours of when you've ovulated. Um, so that's why you can't just do temperature alone um, to predict your ovulation like first up. You need to be doing mucus as well because what you find is your mucus will change throughout the month as well. So let's go back to day one. Day one is your period. So you wouldn't necessarily need to check your mucus when you've got your period because you're bleeding. So let's say you've got to day five and your period's finished and then day six you so the method I teach is you insert so if you press your first finger and your thumb together and then you insert that up to just like that very first little crease in your finger and your thumb so insert that into the vagina grab a little bit of the mucus that's there and then just observe it so what you're writing onto your chart is how much is there is it sticky is it wet is it tacky is it milky is it you just give it a little bit of like a how much is there, what it looks like, and um, the texture, basically. And then you do that each day, preferably at the same time. So we're trying to bring a bit of a routine in here. I have um, a few clients who it's just them and their partner who lives at their house and they keep their chart nicely tucked behind their toilet door (laughs) so they remember to do it but I know that's not going to be practical for everyone but just in case (laughs) that it's a good reminder for some people um so then you would notice throughout the month that that mucus is going to change in texture it's going to change in amount and then it will also change in uh, its consistency so just after your period usually there's pretty much you're pretty dry there's not usually much um discharge or mucus there and then probably a few days later you'll start to notice oh okay i've got i've got a little bit more it's getting a bit thinner it's a bit milkier and then as you get closer to ovulation that mucus is going to look slip it's going to feel slippery it's going to look more like egg white and then it's going to be a heap more of it and so it's important if you're one of these people that's just listen to what we're saying and then you, you're like, all right, that's it, I'm coming off the pill. This is what's normal to have a fair amount of mucus at ovulation. So some women freak out and think they've got some sort of infection because they're, they're not used to seeing mucus, but it's actually normal. So there's variations of normal as well. Because what, what does it look like when one is on the pill? When it's on the pill, it tends to sort of stay quite creamy and thicker. Right. Yep. Yeah. Um, so you don't get that egg white mucus at all. So women who have been on the pill for like five, six, seven, eight, fifteen years and they come off, they're like, what the heck? Is this normal? And so, yeah, it's really important to know that there is going to be cyclical changes with your cervical mucus throughout the month, particularly if you're ovulating. Um, so... Hopefully, in an ideal world, when you're doing your charting and you're putting your your amount of mucus and what it looks like and you see your peak in your temperature, hopefully your mucus around those days uh, is egg white 
and then you know that you're fertile and you know that they're your ovulation days and it's what I like to call target territory. So mm-hmm. when you start to notice that first change from like pretty much dry, a little bit sticky, and once it starts to increase in the amount and it's quite, it's a bit thinner and more milky, start using condoms then. So it's about five days before you ovulate, you need to start using condoms. And then you notice you've got that egg white mucus up to five days after that. And then I still say, if you want to be really safe, still use condoms for another three days after you've ovulated. Yep. Um, and then after that, it's like free reign. If you're in one of these um, long-term relationships, you don't have to use condoms for the rest of the month because you can't get pregnant. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Most of them are so stoked about that. They're like, really? But I thought that I could, I thought that I could get pregnant. But no, you can't because you've already ovulated and the egg only lasts if it's not being fertile, if it's not being fertilized, it only lasts in the uterus for like 24 hours. So it's one of those things that's... Um, the same lecturer who told me this, I thought was a brilliant thing to say. She said, getting pregnant is one of the hardest things to do, yet one of the easiest things to fluke. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought it's so true. But when you're charting your cycle and you can see your peak and you can see your mucus, you're like, okay, I know when I'm fertile, I know when to either avoid having sex, but you're going to be feeling like it more during that time so just use condoms and then yeah you're free until your um period which is really good okay yeah is it possible to ovulate twice in a cycle anything's possible and that's why it's important to find your norm so like like what i just said like that's a very textbook um probably vast majority of women would be like that, but there is going to be the uh, like odd occasion where some women might notice that they'll get a second lot of egg white mucus and they'll say, oh, I think I ovulated twice this month. Or I would say there's some women who have um, super fertile ovaries, like some of them shoot out a couple of eggs. Um, so it will really depend on that woman being really in touch with what's going on. But if you're unsure, I would say use a condom until you definitely know. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe even like, do you get people to do this cycle for a few months before throwing caution to the wind? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I tell them to use condoms nonstop until they're very confident of where they're up to in their cycle. Yeah, cool. Yeah. What about during breastfeeding? Can this be adapted for those women? So during the first six months um, uh, postnatally, it's probably not applicable. I don't think that it's going to be as uh, reliable purely because your prolactin levels are so high if you're breastfeeding exclusively. So if, if that's all your baby's getting is breast milk and you're feeding them around the clock, um, your prolactin levels are high. And generally speaking, that will prevent ovulation, but it doesn't always. Um, and it's much trickier to track if your baby's going through like a growth spurt and starts feeding like eight to ten times a day and then goes back to, say, four feeds and it can make the hormones go a bit um, haywire. So I would say use condoms if you're wanting to prevent another baby soon after. Yeah, I like Mm. that. Good advice. Uh, 
Do you recommend this system for young people? Like what, is it fraught with danger at that age because people don't think so much about consequences or their hormones are raging or whatever? Like what would you say to mums out there with daughters in their late teens or even early 20s? I would say treat them the way you would like to be treated because children and teenagers are just smaller humans. Like they are so much more smart and capable and trustworthy than we give them credit for. And if you instill a responsible sexual um, knowledge into your kids, I believe they'll make the right choices. So I also believe that knowledge is so, so important these days and that like sex and hormones and the word vagina should not be taboo. <laughs> so, well, it definitely hasn't been taboo here in the last three episodes. <laughs> let me tell you, <laughs> and that's awesome. <laughs> it's been fun, actually. <laughs> it is, isn't it? It's yeah. like goddesses, goddesses run wild. <laughs> yep. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So, that would be my advice because if you're speaking about things with your daughter or son. Um, just as everyday language, well, then that's the norm for them. And then they will make better choices. That's what I believe. What about the conundrum where mum's into all the healthy remedies and mum's into all the natural stuff and mum's aware of what the pill can do in terms of side effects, but the daughter is hell-bent on going on the pill and all her friends are just going on the pill and it looks so easy to her. Mm -hmm. What would you say to that mum and that daughter? So if I had her in, if I had them in together, I would just be trying to educate them as best as possible about the long-term ramifications of such a short-term easy gain Um, and talking to her about how easy it is and to teach her to trust her body and to get in touch with it because I think the younger we teach women this particular method, Uh, the easier it's going to be in the long term, there's less chance of infertility and less chance of all the accidental things happening because they won't have to second guess anything. They'll just know where they're up to each month. Yeah. Mm. Are there studies done around this method as to sort of, you know how we go, oh, yeah, the pill's 99% effective and withdrawal 75% effective. Uh, Are there percentages that we know around this method yet or is it all a bit too new and a bit too unstudied? Well, they put it up there. It's in the 90s and it depends on where you're looking. Um, Over in Europe and the UK, they've got a, what is it called, lady comp? Have you heard of it? No. So it is a temperature method and they recommend it as a natural contraceptive in the medical realm. So it's got a 99.3% effectiveness rate. And wow. it's temperature only. Those so, crazy Germans, they're on <laughs> everything, aren't they? Aren't they incredible? So, yeah, um, yeah you can, and, and it's just basically doing that temperature first thing in the morning and it will come up as a green light or a red light whether you're fertile or not fertile that day. So that one has a huge, huge following over there and I'm pretty sure that we can buy it over here. There's a few apps now that. Um, you can track your temperature and and use the app and it will tell you if you're fertile or not that day. So like that's probably a better option for 
the mums with daughters, if the daughter's just really not up for like checking her cervical mucus and feeling a bit icky about it, well, then she might want to do the temperature method and maybe look into the lady comp. I think they're roughly around $500. Um, but that's a one-off it's cheaper cost. than a baby, mate. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Investment. <laughs> where, where did you say I get one? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. All right. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And I think the other problem, I just when you were saying that with the, the green light and the red light, I was just thinking that might work better for young people who don't get up at the same time every day. Yes, yes, that particularly, um, I mean, there's different ways you can sort of track it if it's going up, if you're staying in bed, it usually will, you'll warm up by about 0.1 of a degree per hour that you're staying in bed. So there's ways and means of like tracking it that way. But yeah, if they're sort of going out partying and then they're drinking and then they're sleeping and then they're doing all the different things, um, it would be definitely be good for those yeah those late teen early 20s people because yeah their lifestyle is very haphazard at times it's not really routine so yeah it would be a really good option for them yeah awesome do you have any tips for anyone coming off the pill because I know there's a lot of upheaval around this time and a lot of nutritional deficiencies and hormonal imbalances and stuff so what do you say to those people Yes. So I've got um, lots of things to say to those people. So first of all, yay. (laughs) (laughs) And second of all, your body needs heaps of magnesium and heaps of B vitamins and lots of fiber because at that stage, your liver's going to be detoxing out all those synthetic estrogens and progestins. Plus, in an ideal world, your ovaries are going to switch back on. So your pituitary gland in your brain is going to start talking to your ovaries again and they're going to start secreting all of their lovely estrogens. And if you're ovulating again, you're going to have more progesterone. So you're almost going to end up with a bit of a double whammy for a few months while you're still detoxing the pill out. And you might feel like a lot of heightened PMS. You might feel super emotional. So I find herbal medicine works amazing. And I usually would say it's a very individual thing, but I would normally put something in there that's going to regulate their cycle. So Vitex is amazing. Um, Or if they're more in the polycystic ovaries side of thing, the licorice and peony combination is incredible instead of the chase tree. And then I normally say put a little bit of liver support in there because that's just going to help the liver deal with those estrogens and progestins to get them out. Um, The extra fiber in your diet, even if you're just increasing your fruits and veggies, is going to work wonders by binding those excess hormones so you can eliminate them. Um, drinking lots of water and making sure you get plenty of rest and making sure that you just get some gentle movement each day as well. Um, So like it's not going to be an end of the world catastrophe style thing, but you might feel a little bit wobbly for a few months until you you get back to normal. And then I notice um, really quick weight changes um, in my clients. So often like here's another like clincher that a lot of women love about coming off the pill they'll often lose five between five and eight kilos 
just from coming off the pill. So it's like you've like you've given birth, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> and often that's just a fluid retention thing and a hormonal thing, and they feel great for it. So um, yeah, if you're coming off the pill, zinc, magnesium, B vitamins, fiber. Go see your naturopath about getting on some herbal medicine to help regulate things because I find that that will just speed it up a little bit. Um, and yeah, making sure you're getting your gentle movement and drinking heaps of water. Yeah, I love I love herbal medicine for regulating female hormones. It's just so good. It's so yeah, good. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Awesome. All right, lovely. You have a clinic in Corumban in Queensland, but you also do a lot of stuff online. I um, do. Workshops, you do all kinds of amazing things. You multitasking type A woman. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Pop. This is Kettle here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so people, if they're, if they're on the Gold Coast, they can come and see you locally and attend your workshops. But if they're anywhere else, they can definitely still work with you. So do you want to let us know how people can find you? Yeah, sure. So you can find me online. I've got a website and it's www.womenshealthonline.com.au. You can also find me on Facebook um, with the same name, womenshealthonline.com.au. And I'm also on Instagram, um, at sign, naturopath mummy. So (laughs) um, I would love to connect with any of you if you've got questions. If you're local to the Gold Coast, come to my next workshop. Next one's going to be on the 16th of June. Um, And you can keep in touch. Most of those events get... um, advertised through instagram and facebook so if you just start following me on there you'll be in touch there yep and i'm not sure i was just thinking i'm not sure when this podcast is going to go to air because we're actually in the future right now yeah but i think yeah it might be just before the 16th of june if we're like cool cool Awesome. All right, lovely. Amy, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your wisdom and being so outspoken about the stuff that you're really passionate about. The world definitely needs what you do. I know there's loads and loads of women that need exactly what you're doing. So yeah, thank you so much for being brave and putting it all out there. Thanks, Jules. It's been a pleasure. I hope you found this episode with Amy Mingan useful. If you're new around here, Hello, nice to meet you. Hit subscribe and every fortnight there will be another episode on natural health and wellness coming your way. There's also heaps of cool stuff waiting for you over at julesgalloway.com. I have loads of great free resources there, including amazing recipes, the latest health info, and a free gift to help you heal adrenal fatigue. It's all there right now at julesgalloway.com. Now, if this outro seems a little different sounding to usual, Well, that's because I'm recording it from Fiji, where I'm leading a team of medical and nutrition volunteers from Involvement Volunteers International. So apologies if there's a little extra background noise compared to my usual quality. If you're keen to know about uh, what I'm up to over here, well, stay tuned. There might just be a podcast episode happening and coming your way soon. Okay, that's all from me right now. Have a wonderful fortnight. Stay shiny and bye for now. This year, the Wellness Summit returns. For those of you on your own health journey, you know that a lot of times it's two steps forward, one step back, and you think you're doing well, and then something else pops up. It's like 
Um, always, you're always learning. It's just a, it's not something that just happens overnight and suddenly you're well. If I actually had been so wrong about this really important thing in my life, what else was I wrong about? And it got me down this, uh, this place of questioning all the concepts that I had. And then I came to one question, which was, who am I beyond concept? When I was a little kid, I really always had trouble with food intolerances. I realized that there was a lot to be said for the way you eat. You come to the same place that I came to, and it's a place of complete freedom. Joe Witten and Fuad Kassab feature at the 2018 Wellness Summit. Bigger and better than ever. Tickets on sale Friday, May 4 at thewellnesssummit.com. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.